From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. All right, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? It feels so good to be back here at church with everybody here. Um, When I was here in the first service, I was just like, man, is it ever refreshing to be worshiping again. Not from home, not leading worship for us in front of a camera, but singing together, seeing each other again. It's so refreshing. Is it just me, or do you guys find this lockdown being in the winter way worse than when it was in the summer? (laughs) Um, I love to be outside, so in the first lockdown, I uh, was playing basketball. I was going out for walks. I actually enjoyed taking my dog for a walk. I didn't walk three steps and be like, yeah, I think we're good, actually. I feel good. Walk back inside. Um, Oh, yeah, and there was sunlight after 5 o'clock. It was great. Um, But this lockdown being in the winter is definitely different. So it feels really good to be back with everybody today. So I'm glad you guys are all here. Um, If you don't know me, my name's uh, Pastor Mitch. I'm one of the pastors here at Parkway, and I'm excited to be sharing and continuing on in our series in Mark. Um, If you've got a Bible with you, turn it to Mark chapter 10. And uh, we'll start reading from verse 35 in a minute. So a while ago, I actually don't even remember when this was. I think it was quite a while ago. But I saw a post somewhere online on one of the 300 social media platforms that I, I have to be on. And somebody had posted something that has changed the way that I pray. It actually, um, it's something I'll go back and refer to kind of over and over again, periodically from here and there, I'll go back and I'll, and I'll think about it and I'll be like, hmm, it's almost as, as if it's a check. It keeps my prayers in balance. And ultimately what it said was this, um, I'm paraphrasing, but it basically said, let's say God came up to you, okay? Let's say God spoke to you and said, I'm gonna answer every single prayer that you've prayed for the last two years. I'm gonna answer every single one exactly how you asked. Would your prayers affect the world and the people around you and have wide impact? Or would your prayers only affect you? Would everything basically stay the same and you would be changed? Uh, I can rephrase that. Would things like world peace happen? Would there be a revival? Would, would people all over the world begin to discover who Jesus is? Would there, people, would there be people healed of diseases? Would COVID be over? Or would you and your household be changed? And that's about it. And I just want you to think about that for a second because it's something that I have to challenge myself with. And it's not to condemn you and be like, if you pray for yourself, you're wrong. But it challenged me and said, how much are my prayers focused on my circumstance and my little broad situation, my little bubble of my life? But if God answered all my prayers, would the world be different? Would Sarnia look completely different? Would Canada look different? So let's read Um, So this will relate. If we go back, we're going to read again. If you're not there yet, it's Mark 10, 35 to 45. It will be up on the screen. Um, And I'm reading from the NIV. So here we go. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, being Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup 
uh, I drink or be baptized with a baptism I am being baptized with? We can, they answered Jesus. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with a baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Now catch, catch this last bit here. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. I'm going to read that passage again. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I'm going to repeat that last bit one more time. For even the Son of Man, Jesus, God himself, did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The disciples, James and John here, clearly wanted a, free, a, a blank check from God, right? They wanted a handout. They wanted... Jesus to, to give them a check, sign it, and say, write your amount on there. You can have whatever it is. Take it to the bank and be on your way. And they wanted to sit at the left and the right hand of God. What a request that is. <laughs> I felt bad asking my parents for $5 to go to the store. <laughs> Never mind looking God in the face, being like, hey, can I have a seat beside you in heaven? <laughs> Quite the request. They... James and John knew from the teachings of Jesus that, that Jesus was setting up a kingdom. So obviously, all over Jesus' teaching is the kingdom of God. There was, the kingdom of God is now, and it's later. It's here, but it's also not here yet, right? There is a, there is a present and a future element. There is a known, but an unknown element to it. And James and John understood that Jesus was setting something up but clearly by this question, I don't think they had a great understanding of exactly what the kingdom of God was going to look like. They treated Jesus like a genie in a bottle, right? It's like you rub the lamp three times, the genie pops out and grants you three wishes, which we all know, by the way, the right answer to your wishes is I want a thousand more wishes. I mean, you just got to use your brain. That's, that's clearly the right answer is I want a thousand more wishes, um, but they, that's how they, they treated Jesus. And the truth is, we know that James and John were the sons of a man named Zebedee. Um, that's an interesting name, actually. It reminds me of like a serial character. I don't know, like the bee from like Cheerios or something whose name would be like Zebedee. I don't know. Um, anyway, that's very aside the point. But uh, Zebedee's wife was the one that requested that they go talk to Jesus. Now, I don't know if James and John walked up and they were like, um, hi, Jesus. Um, my mom wants me to ask you something. <laughs> like, I'm not sure if that's how it went. That's kind of how I picture it. But um, Zebedee's wife was probably like, hey, guys, like, you know this Jesus guy. He's a friend of yours. Why don't you get us hooked up in heaven, man? We can sit beside him and sit in the hot tub with Jesus. This sounds great. Come on, come on. Use, use what you got, you know? It's like when people come um, into, like, a business that you work at, and they're like, I know the owner. And you're like, yep. So do I. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, 
And they're like, can you try and get me, hook me up with some stuff because I know the owner, you know? Has anybody ever had that at a job and you're just like, no, sorry, you don't get special treatment? <laughs> I, I picture that's kind of what Jesus is doing. <laughs> but the bright side of the request, okay? So I can go on about how horrible the request is and I will go on about how bad that request is later on in my message. But on the bright side of it, James and John did recognize that Jesus had power. James and John didn't realize or recognize the power of Jesus, they wouldn't have asked him to grant them that that request. They obviously believed that he was the son of God. They obviously believed that Jesus had power. They had witnessed miracles. So they wanted this thing to be done for them. So they appealed to Jesus. But on a little side note, church, how often do we treat Jesus like a genie in a bottle? And it's not me pointing the finger. It's, it's, I'm included in that question. It's something that I have to check myself quite often. How many times have I been, three days have gone by, I get busy and I haven't prayed and I haven't spent time in the word with Jesus. I haven't given him a thought, even though I'm a pastor. And then I'll be like, hey, Jesus. Hey, best friend, what's going on? Hey, while I'm here, I got a little question for you. Can you do something for me? How often, how many times have we been there, right? We've all been there. We've all at some point treated Jesus, our relationship with God, as a genie in a bottle, I think. Don't give him thought until we need him. When things are going well, we might not recognize our need. And when things aren't going well, then we cling to him. We cling to Jesus. We cling to God and say, oh, well, your promises say this. And yes, they do say that he'll give you peace and joy and provision. But when things are good, we kind of don't give him a second thought sometimes because we don't need him in those times, right? We've been there. I've been there. And it's something I have to check myself um, for quite often. But the request that James and John had was to be seated beside God. I, I still, some, like, I've read that story so many times and I can't get over that. Like, you know, if I was James and John who had an understanding of, like, the Old Testament scripture, I would, I would be doing the math in my head and be like, well, Elijah's definitely gonna be up there and maybe Moses, ah, but maybe Abraham and, ah, yeah, never mind. There's no room for me. <laughs> I don't know what made James and John think that Jesus would be. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely you can. <laughs> but it's just, it's such a bizarre request to me. Their, their request to Jesus had no regard for others. It had no regard for the other t- 10 disciples. It didn't have a regard for anybody else except themselves. It was Jesus, grant us this so we can have a high seat in heaven. It was, it was a selfish request. I don't think there's really any any way around that. It was, it was a request that came from an individualistic frame of mind. Now, how much though, church, does that reflect the culture that we're in right now? Individualism. I was doing some, uh, I didn't write down anything in my message, but I was doing some reading on the psychology of millennials and Gen Zs and, and individualism. And, uh, Basically, um, well, firstly, there's actually a big misconception about millennials. A lot of people think if you're under 40, then you're automatically a millennial, but there's actually three generations now. Um, it's hard to keep track of. I believe the oldest millennials, um, and don't take this to the bank, I'm just pretty sure, the oldest millennials are 39 and the youngest are 25. And then from 24 down to, I think, 
like seven or eight years old, I believe is what the Gen Z generation is. And now there's another one called Gen Alpha coming up even below that. But they're saying that Gen Zs and millennials, um, it's easier to get the data from millennials because millennials are all, almost 40 years old. So they've lived a lot longer and kind of done more adult things for longer. Um, but millennials are by far the most individualistic generation that they've seen in a long time, in a long time. They're less likely to have families. They're less likely to be tight-knit in their families. Um, and, and a lot of it is the, the culture that we're raised in. I'm a millennial, and I've grown up in a culture that teaches me, you do what you need to do and don't care about anybody else, right? You fight for what feels right. Whatever makes you happy, you go do it. Don't worry about anybody else, if you have to hurt people or steamroll them or whatever, it's fine as long as that's what you think you need to do for yourself. Does this sound familiar? Take care of yourself. Don't worry about anyone else. And the truth is, is it's true to an extent. We can't live in fear of what people think or let fear dictate our actions but at the same time, the gospel is so opposite of do what you need to do for yourself. The, the way, the way to fo following Jesus is so opposite of don't worry about anybody else. Just focus on you. Focus on you. Do what you need to do. Get where you need to be. Make, do what feels right with you or what makes you happy. That's not the gospel. The truth is, the more, and I'm not going to sit here and say that this is the only factor or this is the only reason, but I don't find it personally, somebody who knows the gospel and knows the way of Jesus, I don't find it that shocking that millennials and Gen Zs are in a mental health crisis when we're, we're supposed to do everything on our own and figure everything out on our own, right? I'm not saying that's the only factor. There's a lot of factors, but I don't find it surprising right? You guys tracking with what I'm saying? We're in such an individualistic world and we're supposed to have it all figured out. But the gospel is the opposite. The gospel is a counterculture. The gospel calls us, and I would say that this line sums up what it is to follow Jesus. If somebody said, can you sum up what it means to be a follower of Jesus in one sentence? I would say, take up your cross and follow Jesus. That's, that's the gospel, is to lay down your life, your dreams, your desires, the things that you think make you happy, the things that you think are what make you successful, and trust Jesus enough to say, okay, I lay them down, I'm going to follow what you've given me. And I can tell you, from my experience, every time I've laid something down, what Jesus has for me is different than I thought, but it's way better. Sometimes... Sometimes you give up a lot, but the peace and the blessing and the joy that comes from following Jesus always outweighs every time. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Laying our lives down for one another, feeding the hungry. That's the gospel. It's the opposite of the request of James and John that didn't regard any of the other disciples or their families or anything. <clears throat> The cup that Jesus was about to drink from when he answered them was the complete embodiment of laying your life down. Because if you keep reading in the book of Mark, you'll figure out that the cup Jesus is talking about is being crucified. So when he says to them, 
hey, are you guys going to drink from this cup? I don't think they understand exactly at this point in time what he means, right? The cup that Jesus was about to drink was one of suffering and one of laying himself down for humanity, even though he's done nothing wrong. And the request, I'll I'll go back to this, the request of James and John was selfish. And listen, and I'm confident enough to say this in this room, to say this on the internet for everybody to see, that God does not answer selfish prayers. I I am convinced that God does not answer selfish prayers. Okay? I think, let's camp out there for a second. I think that that's why a lot of us don't see our prayers answered. Why a lot of us call out to God, we cry out to him, and nothing happens. Because God does not answer selfish prayers. This is what um, the writer of James says in James chapter four about selfish prayers. He says, you desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. I'm gonna read that again. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. What I'm not saying is that it's wrong to to pray for yourself. That's ridiculous. It's not bad to pray for yourself couple examples of people praying for themselves just to to prove my point here we see when uh king david or actually he wasn't king actually yet he was being hunted by king saul at this time but when his hometown of ziklag was burned down to the ground and his family was killed and he had nothing left it says that he strengthened himself in the lord he prayed and he strengthened himself in the lord when jesus was praying in the garden of gethsemane right before he was going to be crucified We know the story. He was on the ground praying so hard that he was sweating blood. I've never prayed like that. I've never been in turmoil like that. But he he prayed for himself. Samson in the Old Testament, you know the guy with the long hair who was really, really strong? Um, Right before he tore the pillars to the building down and killing a bunch of people, what was the last thing he did? What was the last thing Samson did? It says he called out to God, to strengthen himself. So it it is okay to call on Jesus on your own behalf. There's nothing wrong with praying for yourself. In fact, that is how we draw strength. Praying for ourselves, lifting ourselves up in prayer is how we draw strength, which is how we connect with Jesus, how we find peace and joy. We we have to. God has designed us to pray for ourselves. However, we can't have me-centered Christianity, which is only me-centered prayers. The longer that I've known Jesus, the more my prayer life has changed. The longer that, the more time I've spent digging into scripture, spending time in worship, my own time with Jesus, the more prayers that God has and hasn't answered in my life, the more I feel like I have an understanding of of who God is, the more I feel I understand his character. Because the closer I grow with the Holy Spirit that's within all of us, that same spirit living within us is the very spirit that knows the heart of God. So you naturally grow closer with the Holy Spirit and that spirit knows the heart of God. The math is really easy, right? I used to pray a lot 
when I was younger, I would pray as if I knew the will of God. I would tell God what his will was. I look back at times and I would say, Lord, this is your will for this to happen. So there's no reason why blah, blank, blah, 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 shouldn't happen. So I call on you and then it wouldn't be answered. And it actually left me, church, it left me very skeptical of a lot of things. For a lot of years, I was skeptical about healing. I was skeptical about breakthrough, about provision, because I was like, your promises say this. Why didn't you do it? That, that was your will for that to happen. What's going on? Because my prayers, listen, these prayers, when I would cry out to God, they were full of faith. They were confident. Some were aggressive. I fasted over some of them. And then I'm like, well, what, 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 what's going on? If this is your will, why aren't you doing it? God, what's happening? And I'd get frustrated. My prayers were confident, but they were misguided because the things that I thought were the will of God, I realized later were not the will of God. Here's something I think, and I didn't say this in the first service, but it's something I wanna share with everybody. I think, um, I just wanna articulate this properly. I think we have a, we have a mindset sometimes that thing, God wants everything to be the easiest path for us. So if we're going through a situation, let's say, um, let's say a pandemic and you're locked down, okay? <laughs> and we're like, God, why is it not going away? You obviously don't care. Maybe God's will is for us to suffer a little bit through it so he can teach us some things and refine his church and make us stronger and draw us closer with him. Does that make sense? I'm not preaching that God will purposely make people sick. I'm preaching that sometimes his will isn't fun. Maybe it's not easy. Maybe you're like, God, you haven't lifted this burden off of me yet. What is happening? Or maybe you're praying for financial breakthrough and you're like, God, why have you not come through yet? And he's like, because I'm still trying to teach you something. So it's not right to say, you haven't answered this, so you're not as good as you said you are. It's my prayers are misguided. I'm not praying for your will. Are you guys tracking with me? This makes sense to everybody? My prayers have changed from God, this is your will, so I want you to do this for me, to God, this is what my heart wants in this moment, but I pray that your will is done because I know a year from now, two years from now, I'm gonna look back and say, man, the will of God was so much better. Even if it was hard, it was so much better. Here are three reasons I believe that me-centered Christianity doesn't work because the North American church has been plagued with me-centered Christianity. It's always, what is this church gonna offer me? Well, I like that preacher because they make me feel this way or I'm not gonna sing this song at church because it doesn't make me feel good. I like this one. <laughs> or this passage of scripture, I don't agree with that. That doesn't fit my worldview. So I'm gonna just pretend that one doesn't exist. But this one I like, the one that makes me feel good, I'm gonna cling on to that one. That's the Christianity that we've built in North America that I have become a slave to to, to some degree that I'm trying to fight. But here are three reasons why me-centered Christianity doesn't work. Are you ready? And I'm not doing this to make anybody feel bad, but to point you towards Jesus. And I have to convict myself of all three of these. I had to check myself through all three of these as I wrote this. Number one is because me-centered prayers are not answered. Selfish prayers are not answered. Number two, why me-centered gospel doesn't work is because we don't see the fruit of spiritual labor. Let's go back to our definition of the gospel of taking up our cross and following Jesus. If we're not taking up our cross, 
obeying where God is calling us, lifting up our brothers and sisters, taking care of the poor, leading people to Jesus, then there's no fruit happening. I can tell you from experience that the times that I am the most spiritually, you know, awakened, recharged when you feel good, when you're, when you're like, I want to conquer the world for Jesus. It's not after a worship service. It's not usually after a good sermon. Those things lead us to Jesus. But where I feel the spirit comes alive in me most is when I lead a student to Jesus or God answers a prayer or I have a conversation with somebody who doesn't know Jesus and I see breakthrough in them. Because What's the key to a healthy body? It's diet, but what else? Exercise. Spirituality is no different. We can eat all we want. We can come to church, worship, hear the word, and just it, take, 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 take. But until we exercise, the spirit won't come alive in us, I don't think, it, it, to the way it should. And we're not gonna see the fruit. So a me-centered gospel has no fruit. So it's like, I'm doing all of this, but nothing's changing. Why? because you're not exercising your faith. And number three, God's economy doesn't worry too much about our desires. There are times that it does. I mean, there are scriptures you read in Psalm 37. It says, um, those who draw close to the Lord will get their heart's desire. And we read that and we're like, sweet, I can get whatever I want. But God's economy does not use what we want as the currency. Here's the idea of what I'm trying to say. So some of you might be thinking like, well, what, what's his point? Okay, so I, I can't pray for things I want? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is what we want and what God wants should be the same. We should live our lives so close with Jesus that we desire the same things, that we crave the same things, that we long for the same things. So when you say, Jesus, I want this done, he's like, hey man, I'm already there. We're on the same page. Does this make sense? So instead of praying, oh God, take this burden off me. I don't want to drink this cup anymore of suffering or this situation in my life is too much to bear. Take it off from me. Instead of praying that, say, God, whatever your will is for this situation, I pray that you will maximize it. Then I think your prayer might be answered. I think, I think, once we can know the heart of God, pray like Jesus prayed, we, are, we will see tremendous breakthrough in our lives. But I just think we're so sometimes engulfed in our own, in our own lives, we forget that the way of Jesus is, is different than we could ever imagine. It's more than we could imagine. And things that seem backwards to us are straight for God. Things that seem bad to us are good for him. Things that make us happy can sometimes be the things that drive us the furthest away from him. So Jesus challenges James and John by asking them if they're willing to drink from the cup and be baptized with the same baptism. On the surface, it sounds great. You know, they're probably thinking like, can I drink from the cup? I mean, yeah, they're probably thinking that this cup Jesus is talking about is the fame and escalates that Jesus, or accolades, sorry, that Jesus is going to, to get. They're probably thinking like, man, you've like raised people from the dead. I can drink from that cup. That's sweet. Be baptized in the same baptism. When you were baptized by John the Baptist, a dove came over you and heaven broke open and was like, this is my child. Like, that was sweet. Yeah, I want to do that. That's great. 
but they didn't understand what Jesus meant exactly. Jesus is referring to the suffering and death that he was about to face. And what he's saying to them is, sure, you want to be seated at my left and right hand? Well, share in this baptism with me. Drink this cup with me that I'm about to go through. Then you can be seated beside God. I think if he explained it in black and white to them, not sure they, they would have been like, oh, never mind. We don't have to sit there. That's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Let's go back to verse 44 um, of that first passage we read. And it says, and this is Jesus speaking, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve give his life as a ransom for many. In other words, Jesus is saying, James and John, you guys want to be great? Awesome. Put yourself in the lowest positions and serve even the people you hate. Give up everything for me. Then you can be, then you'll be known as great. Uh, If I could have the worship band come back up. I'm hope, church, I hope I'm wrong when I say this. I would like to be wrong. I wish what I'm about to say isn't the truth, but I think I'm right, okay? I'm not sure that there's a lot of followers of Jesus right now in North America that would be willing to drink from the cup that Jesus is talking about. I'm not sure if Jesus right now said to his church, to his people, look, if you don't really pick up your cross and follow me, then just leave. I'm not sure how many would stay, to be honest with you. We have it pretty easy here right now in North America. But here's the thing, church. Here's something something that's been weighing on my heart. Right now, in 2021, we are in a cultural moment that we will remember for the rest of our lives. We, right now with this pandemic, with all this government turmoil, with the political, sociological climate that we're in right now, we will remember life as before and after for the rest of our lives. We, I'm going to be 100 years old and I'm going to look back and be like, do you remember before the pandemic in 2021? Man, what a time that was. We are in a, in a moment that is going to define the rest of, of our lives. The world is going to change after this, and there's no, there's no way around it. We can't just pretend it's not going to. And here's the thing, church. The time for lukewarm faith is over. The time for lukewarm faith is over. The world is going to change. The world needs Jesus more than it ever has. And if the, his own people don't take up their cross and say, okay, you know what? I'm in this. Instead of having one foot in, one foot out, and just, it, we have to, it's, it's over, church. It's time to take up our cross and follow Jesus because look, we won't survive. I really believe with the way the world is moving rapidly away from the way of Jesus that the name Jesus doesn't even have a positive connotation in culture anymore. We need to take up our cross and follow him and quit playing around because the world is changing and the world needs Jesus. So are we going to continue to try and fit a me-centered gospel? Or are we going to say, Jesus, it's all for you. I am here for you. I follow and I answer to you. Are you willing to become less Are you willing to pray prayers that seek God's will instead of your own?
the time for me-centered prayers is over. Instead of asking, Jesus, what do you have for me today? God, what hand of your throne am I gonna sit on? Jesus, how are you gonna make my, my day easier today? Start saying things like, Jesus, I'm here, what can I do? Jesus, who can I lead to you today? Jesus, who can I sacrifice for today? Who can I give money to today because they're in need? Instead of saying, Jesus, how are you gonna bless me today? Say, Jesus, how is my blessing from you gonna overflow into the people around me? What if his people all around the world just started to pray that instead? Said, Lord, I'm really struggling today. Instead of praying, Jesus, just make this easier, take this pain away. Start speaking, God, how am I gonna grow? How am I gonna draw closer with you? Teach me to rely on you. If you wanna become great, become less. Because the Lord exalts those in low positions. So if I could have everybody in the room stand up, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna have the, the worship band play, but they're not gonna sing anything. Um, I find sometimes during a response time, depending on what it is, sometimes I get distracted by the words. Like if I'm trying to, to pray and I'm like, ooh, but I like this song. I, my brain gets distracted. Here's what I want. I want us to focus on Jesus on our own time right now. So for the next couple of minutes, I want you to just call on Jesus and say, God, reveal to me, show me, speak to me and show me different ways where my faith has been me-centered? Are there any areas that I'm holding back from you? Are there any areas where I'm bitter because you haven't answered my will instead of your own? God, is there something in my life that I'm going against your will and I'm completely missing it right now? Just begin to call on him. And look, if you don't know Jesus in this place, that's okay. But I just wanna tell you that it'll be the best decision you've ever made in your life. The more you give to Jesus, the more incredible things will happen in your life, the more free you're ever gonna be. But church, if we can just right now close our eyes and just focus on him and just begin to call on Jesus, take this time to pray and say, reveal to me, where am I being me-centered? In what ways can I follow your will better? Jesus, here I am. So let's just call on him, church. Let's not worry about what the band's playing, the, the people around us, let's just call on him. Father, where am I falling short? Is there an area that I don't trust you enough to give up? God, am I afraid to take up my cross because I don't trust that you'll take care of me? God, is there anything that I'm holding back God, search my heart.
Is there any ways that I'm living that are my idea, not yours? God, if I misunderstood your will, reveal Holy Spirit, come speak to the hearts of everybody in this room, Lord. God, how come you have not been answering my prayer? Is it because I'm not listening? Is it because I'm praying something against your will? Is it because I don't know you? I don't know your heart? Come on, reveal, reveal, Lord. God, how come I made this decision and it doesn't feel right? It doesn't feel like this is where you called me. Is it because I missed it? God, are the things that I'm contending for, are they to lift me up or are they to lift your kingdom up? Friends, I'm, I'm, I'm just as much in this as you are. I've convinced myself that things are the will of God that clearly aren't. I've given myself a free pass on some things that I said, ah, I don't need to give that up, I'm fine, because I give this up. Jesus, reveal yourself to me so I can know your heart better, so I can understand you better, so that I breathe your will, that I know your will, Jesus. Here's what I want you to do, church. I just want you to just begin to call on the Holy Spirit, turn this into a a room and atmosphere, take on a posture of worship. Don't sing the song to Waymaker that they're playing. Lift up your own song and just say, Jesus, I'm following you, I'm here. Begin to lift up your own song to him. Come on, even right now as as I'm talking, church, lift up your own song to him. Jesus, you are worthy. We are here because you are good. Your will is greater than we could ever imagine. What you have for my life is so much better than anything I could muster up on my own energy, God. When I'm having a hard time navigating, your answer, when it's clear, it's always the best answer, God. Jesus, fill this room. Holy Spirit, come and speak to us. Lord, just another minute, just another minute, church. Continue to respond to him. I feel in my spirit that there's somebody, whether in this room or watching online, that you're already, God has already spoken to you or he's trying to speak to you because you're, you're, you've been frustrated in prayer because you're going through a situation that's a heavy burden. It's, hard, it, it's a lot to lift, it's a lot to carry and you've cried out to God for a long time it feels and he hasn't answered. And I just wanna say to you that the Lord is refining you. The Lord is teaching you to draw close to him and that the reason your prayer hasn't been answered has nothing to do with him abandoning you. It has nothing to do with him not being in the fire with you. that he has answered your prayer. It's just not in the way that you were hoping or expecting. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We exalt you. God, I thank you for every person in this room today. 
Thank you for every person tuning in online, wherever they're, they're uh, joining us from. Pray that the very spirit of God that's in this room that I can sense would be with all of those that are engaging today, whether they're engaging in this moment live or whether they're watching later. Lord, your Holy Spirit has no bounds. You're not bound to this room. You're not bound to this building. God, we exalt you. We lift you up. And I just pray that you would continue to speak to us, God, even as we leave this place, that you would convict us, that you would continue to show us ways where we've had a me-centered focus in our relationship with you, where we thought that our will is better than your will. When we've had a prayer life that revolves only around ourselves. I just pray, Father, that you'd go before us. That even before Monday comes, that even before we go back to work, that you'd continue to speak to us and prepare us for the week ahead. Pray that we would begin to know you in a new and intimate way, that we would become so close with you that your very spirit that knows the heart of God would come alive in us in a new and a fresh way. And I just declare, Jesus, that that our hearts would, would continue to seek after you, that this wouldn't just be a message that we feel good about and said, yeah, I'm gonna follow Jesus and I'm gonna seek his will. But Lord, that we would do it that we would seek your will and that we would have breakthrough. I thank you. God, we love you. And you're the reason we're gathered here today. And I just pray all of these things, Lord, in your name. And everybody said, amen. Well, thank you for being a part of church today. If you can take one thing from today, I want you to take home, to take up your cross, and to switch your faith to an outward faith that focuses on, on other people and focuses on Jesus today, okay? We can do that? All right, we will see you all next week. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.